You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host. This is episode 183 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio with my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how's it going? Great to have you back in the studio, Michael. Good to see you on this uh, busy morning. Um, we're just hours away. I, is it exciting? Hours away from the trade deadline, one of those uh, features on the hockey calendar that gets fans um, and media excited. Um, we have the entry draft. We have um, you know Stanley Cup playoffs. We have uh, the World Juniors. And of course, the the trade deadline, which gets uh, everybody a, a little bit excited this time of year. Yeah, and this might be one of the few years that uh, are actually kind of busy. It seems like there's a lot of big names that have gone. There might be some more to go. So I'm excited for it. And honestly, like a trade deadline, I'm thinking back to when I was in high school, it always felt like trade deadline day was a snow day. So I just, I remember <laughs> every time just being able to hang out, watch TSN. So I'm a big fan of trade deadline day. <laughs> and, and, and you feel sorry for, for the, the broadcasters at times who have to uh, fill space until trades happen. And, and um, you know, lots of times that the big deals go down before uh, trade deadline day. And we've seen some great deals already, but um, more's brewing. Uh, a little bit more brewing, so we may have a, an active trade deadline day for a change. Yeah, uh, wishing all the best to James Duffy on that coverage. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I'll give uh, everyone here a little rundown on what to expect from our show. Uh, here in segment one, we'll uh, start things off with our week in review, where we'll highlight some of the memorable moments from this week. Then we'll give you all your roster updates for the Montreal Canadiens. We've had some injury news and those trade that we can also discuss a little bit uh then we have our habs prospect report and to end segment one uh, we have a little bit of hockey news to get into that will lead us into segment two we'll have our big topic discussion the gordon plan taking a look at recent trades and more with our special guest alan Krita, a hockey writer for the new york times and the associated press 
Then in segment three, we'll update you on everything on allhabs.net. Then we'll get you into have your say. We have our Canadians Connection question of the week. Are you happy with the Ben Chirot return? We want to hear from you. And finally, we'll get you all prepared and ready to go into this next week for the Montreal Canadiens. So, Rick, if uh, people are interested in interacting with us, uh, how can they do so? So many ways. Just so many ways. Send us an email, info at allhabs.net. Send us a text, 5853ROCKET, or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. At allhabs is usually the way you'll find us. Yep, you can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you also visit the website, CanadiansConnection.com. So, uh, starting things off here, our uh, week in review, memorable moments for this week uh, as Montreal Canadiens. Check out our comprehensive game previews and post-game reviews for all Canadiens games at allhabs.net. So starting things off, we'll go uh, all the way back to last Saturday, March the 12th. Seattle makes their first ever appearance at the Bell Center, and they come away with a 4-3 to shootout victory. I'll note that uh, to Joel Edmondson made an appearance in that game, and he uh, looked pretty decent, apart from maybe one or two hiccups. And uh, the Kraken were actually up 3-1 to going into the third. Montreal battled back to tie it up 3-3. to and they took it all the way to the seventh round of the shootout where uh, the Kraken come away with a victory. Michael Pozzetta in the shootout. Uh, <laughs> that that was something to say. It was unsuccessful, but um, yeah, interesting move from uh, rookie head coach Marty St. Louis there. Well, when you get all the way to the seventh round, I feel like you have to get a little bit creative now. <laughs> I would like to see Arturi Lekkanen, who was uh, really good in this in this game. Um, it, it was it was an interesting game, entertaining game. Um, as you said, the Canadians came back. We got uh, overtime. We got a shootout. Uh, so it was it was entertaining hockey, albeit the Canadians ending on the losing side. <laughs> And that will uh, bring us to the latter half of a back-to-back. Uh, Montreal gets four and Philadelphia gets three. And it's an overtime victory. That's uh, back-to-back games and both needed extra time. Uh, a bit of a wild finish as the Canadians tied up the game in the final minute and then proceeded to win the game in overtime. Uh, it was pretty high scoring, although rather quiet up until the end. Suzuki gets two. Caulfield and Pitlick score the tying and the winning goal. Unusual. That was bizarre. That ending um, with uh, a penalty. Uh, Chris Weidman. They first called it a major and then uh, reduced it to uh, two minutes. Um, so it looked bleak for the Canadians. Uh, you know, less than two minutes left. Going on the penalty kill, scoring a shorthanded goal. Ben Chirot played a key role in that, stealing the puck from Travis uh, Sanheim, uh, setting up uh, Pitlick for the the tying goal. And then um, the whole incident in overtime, Mike Hoffman breaks his stick, has to go to the bench. Cole Caulfield comes on and blasts the overtime winner. Yeah, no, honestly, a very exciting game. I may have fallen asleep a little bit for the first little while, but uh, that third period in overtime certainly woke me up. Absolutely. So Tuesday the 15th, uh, Arizona makes its way to Montreal, and they double up Montreal 6-3. to Coyotes scored four goals in the first period to chase Sam Montembeau and uh, essentially cruise to a victory here. Arizona has been on this really, really impressive run as of late, built off of these just 
weird offensive explosions and they don't even really need too many shots on goal. Like in this one, uh, the Canadians actually outshot Arizona 39 to 19 and Arizona still came away with uh, six goals, which is insane. I'll uh, also note here, Sherratt uh, sat this game out as they did not want to risk any injuries leading up to the deadline. Well, you, you mentioned the shot total, correct, 39-19, but the shot attempts were 61-27 for uh, the Canadians. And uh, they, the Canadians thoroughly dominated this game, but it was that bad start. Um, Sam Montembeau, not, uh, not great. Uh, he was pulled after the first period, Caden Primo coming in. Um, and, and, but, um, you know, an opportunity, you, you said Ben Sherratt set up opportunity for, uh, Alexander Romanoff career high ice time, uh, almost 24 minutes. Uh, and, uh, he looked great. Um, shot attempts for, uh, were 31, nine for the Canadians with Romanoff on the ice for five on five. Yeah, I was really impressed with Romanov in that game. And uh, hopefully, uh, I guess, leading up to the end of the season here, he can step up and take on that larger role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So paint, uh, St. Patrick's Day, the 17th, Dallas, uh, a nice green team, made its way into Montreal. And they win 4-3 to three in overtime. Uh, Jake Allen and Christian Dvorak made their returns to the lineup. Both looked pretty solid. Uh, Jake Allen looked pretty decent in net. Uh, Montreal tried to play spoilers against Dallas, who are currently fighting their way into the playoff picture. Corey Schooneman gets his first NHL goal. Caulfield and Suzuki get the others. The game was just back and forth between the two teams. But in the dying seconds of overtime, uh, John Klingberg beats Jake Allen for his second goal of the game. And that sent Martin St. Louis essentially <laughs> running out of the building. I've never seen the man move so fast. <laughs> and then uh, he awkwardly had to shuffle his way back onto the bench uh, as uh, the goal uh, needed a review for a goaltender interference. But uh, it was called a good goal. Uh, it was a little bit controversial, but they did say it was a good goal. I do agree with that. And uh, well, although they didn't show it, I do imagine that uh, Martin St. Louis did go running once again. <laughs> it was, uh, I, he was, uh, Marty St. Louis is a little sheepish in the postgame uh, interview saying, you know, there's lots of things that I need to learn as a coach. And one of them is that you don't bolt uh, at the end of overtime. Reminded me of Tuka Rask. Uh, when he loses in overtime, he just flies uh uh, off the ice. Um, it was an awkward moment to be sure. Um, Canadians, uh, and, and one thing that we've seen uh, is is uh, the offense open up under Marty St. Louis, uh, but that's been combined for the most part with, um, with Montreal playing better defense, uh, but not in this game. Um, it was just wide open back and forth uh, high danger scoring chances were fourteen to five for uh, uh, Dallas. Um, Jake Allen had to be good; he was good, um, and uh, I, they need to to tighten up a, a little bit. That's not how uh, the Canadians are going to be. Um, they, regardless of what happens towards the end of the season, this is these kinds of habits uh, don't want to be uh, learned and instilled uh, for uh, young players for the future. Albeit it was pretty entertaining to watch, uh, although, you know, you don't want to see teams be that sloppy. Having all that offense, I'm not going to lie, it kept me pretty engaged throughout that game. For sure. So the Canadians record is now 16-36-9, and that's good enough for dead last in the NHL. 
Well, uh, yeah, it, it, um, losing four out of five, uh, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, as you said, uh, pre-show that, that, uh, the Canadians are coming back to earth uh, a little bit now. Yep. Uh, that, uh, I guess the new coaching smells may be wearing off a little a bit. Little bit. Uh, they're a little bit uh, less energized, but, uh, overall I do think they're still playing a little bit better than earlier this season. And and what we aren't seeing is the the huge blowouts. Uh, the Canadians have been in um, even when they're losing. They have been in most of the games, um, and uh, and 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 fans seem to be enjoying their play. Both uh, those in the Bell Center and and those following on social media. Yeah, and that's uh, three out of those four games needed extra time too. So they are hanging in there, uh, right. and and with some playoff teams too. So. Now I'll uh, get you updated on all the roster news. We've uh, had some injuries and a trade that we'll get to. But uh, on the injury front, uh, like I mentioned before, Joel Edmondson made his return to the lineup against the Kraken for his first game of the season. Uh, It's pretty great to have him back. Uh, Martin St. Louis had a lot of great things to say about uh, Joel Edmondson's play and his leadership. His leadership particularly. um, Many players spoke about um, how... Uh, he's able to be a calming presence, how he's able to uh, be positive. And uh, he's had a tough season, both personally and, and injury-wise. Uh, so it was good to have him back in, in the lineup. He did not play. Uh, doctors didn't want him, him playing on that back-to-back on the weekend. Uh, so uh, received some treatment on the Sunday, but then was back um, uh, for and has played three games this week. Ryan Paling uh, was placed on injured reserve after suffering an upper body injury against Philadelphia. Uh, it was a bit of a rough hit, uh, but uh, you never like to see that. Paling's been having a good season up until now. Just awkwardly taken into um, the boards behind the net by Justin Braun. And um, we don't know what it is, but uh, uh, labeled an upper body injury. And and, uh, he didn't look very good after after the hit. And we wish him well because, as you said, he's been having a very good season. Yeah, hopefully he can get back uh, within a week or so and um, be able to put on some more big minutes leading up to the end of the season. Uh, So Josh Anderson, uh, he ended up missing two games uh, against Arizona and Dallas with an upper body injury. Uh, It's not an ideal situation leading up to the deadline. I know his name was maybe uh, rumored to be in some trades, but uh, hopefully he's someone that can get back soon. It's labeled a minor injury. They've not placed him on IR, um, so we should be seeing him rather soon. And then, uh, like I mentioned before, too, uh, Christian Dvorak and Jake Allen were both activated off of IR and returned to the lineup against the Stars. Um, yeah, I liked what I saw from both of them. Uh, looks like uh, Dvorak's playing much better than he did at the start of the year. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, he, uh, he certainly um, did well on faceoffs in, in uh, his one game. Um, and uh, But he'll have opportunity to um, maybe... Uh, be showcased again um, against uh, Ottawa uh, prior to the deadline. And uh, Jonathan Druin, he's now practicing. Uh, He's considered day-to-day. Hopefully he's back next week. Uh, It sounds close. Um, Practicing in a regular jersey. So uh, I, I would say that we might see him this week. 
And then uh, I guess some good news as well. Uh, Andrew Hammond and David Savard have both started skating. Uh, they've been out for a, a little while now, um, and getting Andrew Hammond back would be good too. You can never have enough goaltenders, especially when you're the Montreal Canadiens in 2022. <laughs> and David Savard, uh, we haven't seen, as you said, for a while. David Savard, the only time his, his name is coming up is uh, that the Canadians wanted a David Savard type trade uh, deal for Ben Chirot. Uh but it's good to see them both back on the ice. And then on the transaction front, uh, both Cedric Paquette and uh, Matthew Perot both cleared waivers. Paquette was assigned to Laval and he made his debut. And uh, Rick, now that uh, both of these players have passed through waivers, do you think it's a possibility that they could be traded? Possible. Um, Cedric Paquette, uh, a little less likely. He hasn't had a good season. Canadians brought him in for his physical play, uh, for taking face. Uh, face-offs have not been good. Um, he looked pretty good um, in Laval um, against Hartford um, on Friday night. Um, yeah, no points, a minus one, uh, and and he, he got a penalty. But uh, I think he looked much more comfortable than he's looked uh, in, in the Montreal lineup. He played the second line last night in that win, um, and his teammates uh, spoke about uh, his physical play. So, um, you know, I, I don't see Paquette necessarily being traded. Um, Paquette also has history. Uh, J.F. Wool coached him. Uh, previously, so he seems. Um, of course, he does. He'd rather be uh, in, in the Montreal lineup, but um, he seems uh, okay to be there. As far as uh, Matthew Perot, he's still on the Canadians' twenty-three uh, man roster. Uh, yes, he was. Uh, he passed through waivers, uh, but uh, he was not sent to Laval. Uh, Jeff Gorton, uh, Kent Hughes met with him to feel out what, what exactly uh, he wants for the rest of his season. It's not going to be with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it can be with Laval or um, he can be sent, uh, he can be traded uh, to another team. Um, and I know I've, I've been asked this question on social media. Well, why would a team want to give up an asset to to acquire Matthew Perot when it could have had him for free on waivers. The the issue is uh, it's actually a benefit that he's passed through waivers because then he doesn't have to be kept on the big club. Uh, he can be sent uh, and uh, to their AHL team and then be brought up any time when, when he's needed. So uh, it might make a player like Matthew Perot a little more attractive uh, That and, and, and when... Teams are looking as they make a playoff push for a bit of a veteran presence. Matthew Perot can can be that. You know, he's a very popular player, um, uh, very popular with fans and players. Um, so I, I I think it's it's likely that we might see a, a Matthew Perot trade. Um, I, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, I. Um, Cedric Paquette, um, not so much. Matthew Perot, probably. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think that's uh, enough time to spend on those two players. Let's get to the big one. Uh, ben Chirot was traded to the Florida Panthers for Tyler Smilanik, a first-round draft pick in 2023 and a fourth-round draft pick in 2022. 
Uh, this, I think this is a great deal for Montreal. Um, and I know you guys are definitely going to talk about this a little bit more in depth later in the podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, what's your thought on this one? Yeah, we'll, we'll be breaking down this, uh, this deal in our second segment, the big topic segment, when we look at Jeff Gordon's plan. Um, we knew that Ben Sherratt was going to be traded. Uh, that was clear. Um, and, uh, uh, the, 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 as, as I said, Kent Hughes had made it quite clear that he wanted a, a David Savard type return. Uh, we heard that the teams were reluctant to give up a first round pick for Ben Sherratt. Uh, Kent Hughes held to his guns and, and, um, you know, for for Florida, it's uh, you hear, hear Bill Zito talk. Um, ben Schrott was exactly the kind of player uh, that they were looking for. Um, there's Rick Dudley. There's uh, Shane Churla, uh, who will be very familiar in in the Florida organization. Who will be very familiar with Ben Schrott. In fact, Rick Dudley was uh, involved in drafting Ben Schrott back in the the Atlanta days. So. Um, it's not a surprise seeing him go to Florida. Uh, it's a good deal for, for, for Florida, but it's a very good deal for the Montreal Canadiens who get a, a really solid return, uh, for Ben Sherrod. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a shout out to all the Leaf fans that didn't think Ben Sherrod would get traded for a first round draft pick and he got traded for more than that. So Really good deal. I, I like this quite a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of analytics folks out there that uh, don't necessarily like the return, but uh, you know, as you, analytics is such a small portion of uh, the total picture um, that Ben Sherratt certainly brings more to that. Um, Bill Zito talked about you know they they not only. Uh, evaluated his on-ice play, his play in the playoffs, going to the Stanley Cup final um, last year, uh, but the type of person he is and and what he's learned from Shea Weber and, and how he can uh, contribute in the in the locker room. And I, I think this is uh, ideal where both teams got exactly what they wanted. So, um, no, I uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about it in in the second segment. But uh, bottom line is, uh, I th- I think the Canadians did really well uh, in this trade, and and we'll see if it, it leads to any more. Uh, and that says maybe it says good things about uh, where the market's going. Um, before we we leave this uh, this roster area uh, from practice, there's been some uh, notes this morning, um, and I just want to say that for the first time. This season, Carey Price has uh, attended a morning skate. Uh, that's really good news. Um, uh, uh, Anderson, uh, Josh Anderson, who we talked about uh, being out, he's at morning skate. That's good news. Um, Druan is is uh, is is close. Um, Paling, what do we have here? Oh, uh, Brendan Gallagher will not play tonight uh, due to a lower body injury. Um, he's uh, listed as as day to day. Arturi Lekkinen will play tonight, uh, but uh, he wasn't at morning skate, uh, or he was at morning skate. He didn't do any extra work, so he's not being held out like Ben Sherratt was. Uh, he'll play tonight, uh, but maybe one of the more likely Canadians. Uh, to be traded. 
Okay, appreciate the update. And uh, now I think uh, we'll slide into our uh, Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Thank you, Amy. Uh, so the Val Rocket record is currently 27-21-3-0, and that's 16th in the AHL, so they're still right in the thick of the playoff race. So we only have uh, two games to talk about this week. Uh, I'm used to doing about four or five of these, so it's a nice little break. Uh We'll go back to the 12th of March. Uh, Laval gets two. Uh, Wilkesbury Scranton gets six. Uh, that, that was uh, the second half of a back-to-back, and the Rockets uh, really struggled to keep the puck out of their net, especially in the third. Uh, it was actually 3-1 to one going into the third, and uh, both teams managed to double their point total. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, not a good uh, not a good night for uh, the Cana- uh, the uh, Laval Rocket goaltending, and and um, uh, we'll we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, after a little bit of time off on the the eighteenth of March, uh, Hartford at Laval. Uh, Laval gets seven. Hartford gets four. This was a, another a game with a lot of goals. Uh, the first of a five game homestand. Uh, Paquette made his Rocket debut. Uh, offensive explosion from Teasdale, who gets a hat-trick. Both teams scored three in the first. Laval gets another three in the second, and then both scored one in the third. So that time off, the five or six days, that uh, five days that they were off, uh, not off, but uh, not playing games and able to practice, certainly paid off, and JFU was happy with uh, the effort uh, against Hartford, although he said, uh, you know, with all that scoring, six goals being scored in the first period, he was wondering whether it was going to be a 9-8 kind of game, um, but things got uh, settled down, at least on the, the Laval side. Um, winning this one, 7-4, uh, a, a log jam for a playoff position. There's about four or five teams that are all very, very close, close together, and so uh, important for Laval. To keep on winning. Yeah, and it's a back-to-back. Uh, the next game is going to be today, March the 19th, uh, against Hershey. And uh, like I mentioned, they're going to be staying at home for a while now. So hopefully they can string together a couple wins and uh, maintain their uh, battle in the playoffs. Make sure you follow report for all of the coverage. And I've also got a whole bunch of Habs prospects to talk about in the NCAA and uh, a lot of very good Habs prospects. Um, so Canadians uh, prospect uh, Jakob Dobis was named a uh, Big Ten goaltender of the year, co-freshman of the year, first all-star team, and is on the Big Ten all-freshman team. Dobis plays for Ohio State in the NCAA, and uh, this season he posted a... Uh, 2.26 goals against average, uh, 0.934 save percentage, and is 21-12-2. What a great season. A rookie, just 20 years old, um, f- uh, from, uh, I was going to say the Czech Republic, they're calling themselves Czechia now, um, and uh, a big goaltender, goal 6'4", uh, drafted in the fifth round in 2020, uh, just you know, uh, Vinny Riondo has uh, is is doesn't get enough uh, uh, credit for the work that he does in identifying uh, these kinds of prospects for the Montreal Canadiens. 
what a, just a, a marvelous season for Jakob Dobis. In addition to what you mentioned, he's also nominated for NCAA Goaltender of the Year, and we'll find out about that award very soon. Yeah, basically, you can just hand him all the awards this year, it sounds like. <laughs> he's had a great season. So Sean Farrell, uh, he scored a goal and added two assists as Harvard beat Clarkson 5-3 to three in the ECAC semifinal in the NCAA. Farrell has nine goals and 21 points on the season. Uh, great see. We remember uh, Sean Farrell moving from the USHL to the NCAA. It's his rookie season uh, for Harvard uh, with the Chicago Steel last year, had 101 points. Um, and, and we knew there was going to be some uh, reduction this year, but, uh, he's, he's playing well, uh, had a good season and, uh, and, and Harvard is, uh, is moving on. So Blake Biondi, uh, scored the game winning goal again, or for UMD and beat Denver two to nothing in the NCHC semifinal. That's uh, 17 goals and 28 points for him on this season. So that's another really good offensive prospect. For a fourth round pick uh, in 2020, uh, Blake Biondi at the University of Minnesota Duluth, um, his second season there, had a good season. Uh, and another prospect to keep an eye on. Yep, and uh, the newly acquired duly acquired uh, Ty Smilanic, uh, sorry, his name's not the easiest to say, uh, so Ty Smilanic was scoreless but uh, had three shots on goal uh, for Quinnipiac, uh, who beat Colgate 3-1 uh, to one in the ECAC semifinal. He has a total of 13 goals and 22 points this year. All of this leading towards the, uh, the Frozen Four, and uh, good to see Quinnipiac still alive and uh, with Smilanic. And uh, we'll be, I'd be able to uh, watch another prospect. And uh, I think they play, who do they play? They play Harvard. Uh, so it'll be Sean Farrell versus Smilanic uh, in the final. Yeah, it's going to be tough to know who to cheer for in that one. <laughs> That's right. So the University of Connecticut beats uh, Northeastern 4-1 to in uh, hockey semifinal on Friday night. Harris picked up an assist for uh, Northeastern, and this could impact Jordan Harris's availability as it's rumored that uh, he's likely going to sign an entry-level contract at some point before the end of the season and maybe get into uh, Habs uniform. Kent Hughes very hopeful that they can get Jordan Harris to... Uh, sign a contract and come to the Canadians. Um, now, Northeastern lost um, to the University of Connecticut, but um, that that doesn't, uh, Northeastern's uh, season isn't ended just yet. Uh, we'll have to wait for selection Sunday to see, even despite the loss, Northeastern's had a very good season. They've been in the top 10 uh, in, in the NCAA. Uh, so they may be selected uh, to be part of that 16-team Frozen Four uh, tournament. So be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. They have extensive game day content. Also, listen to and subscribe to the Press Zone to stay up to date on all your favorite Habs and Laval Rocket prospects. New episodes come out every Tuesday, and uh, you can find them wherever you find your podcasts. Absolutely. So I do have a little bit of hockey news here to end off this segment. Uh, we have a really big trade go down Friday. Uh, as we know, the NHL trade deadline is upon us. Um, and Tampa Bay acquires Brendan Hagel and two fourth-round picks in exchange for two first-round draft picks, Boris Kachuk 
and Taylor Radish. Uh, that goes to uh, Chicago, and wow, that is a huge return for Hagel. Uh, he currently has 21 goals so far this season. Uh, his cap hit is only $1.5 million, and I'm assuming that's likely what drove his price up and why Tampa Bay wanted him. It was uh, just a low cap hit and very effective player. Yeah, a, a, a value player. Um, and uh, Brandon Hagel, um, you know, a sixth-round pick back in 2016 uh, by the Sabres. Um, and and it's, taken, it's taken a while for him to develop. But, wow, what, what a return uh, for Chicago getting uh, two first-round picks as well as uh, two very good players. Um, Boris Kachuk, uh, Taylor Radish, they've... They've been with the Syracuse Crunch and being developed uh, in that very good program by Tampa Bay. A uh, little, bit, little bit of a log jam, so their graduation to, to Tampa. They played games with, with Tampa, but uh, has been a, a little bit stalled. Uh, but they'll have a lot of opportunity with, with Chicago. And uh, Brandon Hagel, um, you know, what, what can you say? He's... he's uh, uh, the right pick for a Tampa team who is all in once again. Yep. Uh, Boris Kachuk and Taylor uh, Radish. Those are both names. I think people will recognize from the world juniors. Uh, and I'm a big fan of both of them. I think Chicago's uh, they're definitely going to have a lot of really good prospects going forward, especially with this trade. And uh, yeah, like you said, with Tampa, they're going all in and uh, good for them to get that deal done. For sure. Um, th- there is a bit of a connection to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and as many uh, are, are now discovering, uh, he wore a Montreal Canadiens uh, uniform at one point. Yeah, uh, I believe uh, you were actually uh, sending us some photos of this That's in our right. Slack group. Uh, he was uh, he played in the rookie tournament against the Ottawa Senators uh, a few years back, uh, uh, which was pretty cool to see, right? That's right. In uh, September of 2018 at the Rookie Showcase, uh, there was uh, the Canadians versus uh, the Ottawa Senators rookies. And uh, for the Canadians, um, Hagel played on the third line, played with Jake Evans and Will Bitten. Um, and, uh, played, played one game. Um, and so we, yeah, we circulated the photos of that, uh, on, uh, our Slack group, but also on, on Twitter, if you want to see him and, and, uh, for a couple of shifts, he played with the Asperi Kakinyemi. Oof. <laughs> so is this grounds for uh, Habs fans to be kind of mad that they didn't, uh, you know, sign Hagel to a contract? Well, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> uh, but but listen, he uh, uh, a guy who uh, developed slowly, um, and uh, um, good for him. Good for him that he's cashing in on that now. But uh, uh, um, yeah, it was a lost opportunity maybe for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, at that point, I mean, who's going to know? Very few situations like this ever happen. And uh, you know what? Congrats to Brandon Hagel for uh, turning into quite the NHLer. For sure. So uh, now is, oh, sorry. Late news. We're still watching. We're still watching the timeline for tonight. Um, Jonathan Drouin will play against the Ottawa Senators. Okay, wow, that's good to, that's good we'll to get, know. That's a, we'll that's that a solid forward yeah, for sure. to get back. We'll get that in. Uh, so uh, some adjustments will have to be made on the 23-man roster to get him back. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out um, uh, this evening. Yeah. Uh, will that be uh, Druin's first time playing for St. Louis this year? 
Yeah, absolutely it will. Okay, awesome. So I'm looking forward to see uh, what he has in store. And uh, I think uh, with that being said, before any more breaking news comes through, <laughs> it's uh, time we take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, coming up, uh, you'll hear from our sponsors at DraftKings. And then after that, it's the big topic discussion, the Gordon Plan. Special guest Alan Krita from uh, the New York Times and Associated Press, plus Amy Johnson comes in and she's going to take over for the rest of the podcast. Uh, stay with us. This is Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, hello and welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. We're so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, welcome back. I should introduce myself. Uh, thanks so much to Michael Spinella and Rick uh, in the first segment there at the end uh, with the, the passing of the baton. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm Amy Johnson. I'm going to step in as your uh, co-host here for the next two segments. And of course, joined with me in the studio uh, by... Rocket Sports president and founder Rick Stevens. Uh, you can find me at Flyers Rule on Twitter. You can find Rick at All Habs. Uh, and Rick, I'm pleased to be here. Glad to have you here. <laughs> stepping in. Stepping in. Uh, stepping in gingerly. Gingerly. Um, LTIR, <laughs> is that what they call it? Um, you know, I would, I, I'm hoping it's going to be more IR than LTIR. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to get back into a routine. I had a, had a very minor surgery that I had to undergo earlier this week. Nothing, nothing serious. It was more of a precautionary procedure, but uh, surgery nonetheless. And so I'm, uh, I've been, uh, been recouping and recovering this week, but uh very, very grateful uh, to have you here and that um, you, you can't miss a trade deadline. <laughs> well, I know. that's I, So I'm trying to keep the energy up. Uh, just poke me with a hockey stick if you see me zoning out, you know. <laughs> For, it was my first time with anesthesia, so it's, uh, you know, interesting experience, I, I can say. Um, well, we'll keep an eye on you here in the studio. And... <laughs> glad to be here. Uh, glad to be here for sure. Uh, and for absolutely for the segment that we've got coming up today uh, here on The Big Topic, we're going to talk about the Gordon plan. Um, you know, it's uh, we've we had a, a I, I think you could say, a, although expected, a blockbuster trade for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon this week with Ben Sherratt. We're going to uh, kind of grade that return. We're going to take a look at, at what 
the Canadians managed to get for Ben Sherrod. Uh, and then we've got a very special guest coming up later in the segment. Alan Krita, who is a hockey writer for the New York Times and the AP, is going to join us. Uh, he's uh, he's well acquainted with Jeff Gordon and what he can do in a rebuild. And so he's going to kind of give us a, a peek behind the curtain uh, of, as to as to what uh, Habs fans might uh expect in the coming months. Well, as they say, if you want to predict uh, future behavior, you take a look at the past. So we're going to take a look uh, with the help of Alan Krita at uh, how Jeff Gordon was able to uh, reshape uh, the New York Rangers, um, how that process went, how it's uh, turning out. And and, and this isn't to uh, d- diminish uh, the Ken Hughes and what he's bringing to, uh, to the management team, but uh, we want to focus in on Jeff Gordon today. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, the the... X's and O's of it, Ben Sherratt traded away from the Montreal Canadiens to the Florida Panthers. And in return, uh, the Canadiens have acquired forward Tyler Smolanek, a first-round draft pick in 2023, and a fourth-round draft pick this year in 2022, uh, which actually comes from the New York Rangers uh, because just prior to the Sherratt trade, uh, Florida traded uh, Frank Vitrano to the New York Rangers and got that fourth round pick for this year in return. So they they then forwarded that off to the Montreal Canadiens. Shows how much they wanted Ben Sherrod. Frank Vitrano, Frank Vitrano had just uh, scored two goals for them. <laughs> That's right. um, a, a solid player, a solid contributor. Uh, sent him for the uh, fourth round pick and then turned around and uh, sent it to uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And it actually, it did, it did two things for Florida by doing that. Uh, it freed up some cap space to get Pen- mm-hmm. Ben Sherratt. And of course, then with that fourth round draft pick thrown in, they were able to pass that along to Montreal. So uh, of course, the big flashy, glitzy part of that return is that first rounder in 2023, Rick. That's a very valuable piece of the return for Ben Sherrod. I think it certainly made people kind of sit up in their chairs when they saw that come across and say, okay, Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon are not messing around. They managed to get a first rounder out of Florida for Ben Sherrod. Um, And uh, it's certainly something that they will uh, look forward to having in their back pocket come next summer. They say it couldn't be done. Uh, particularly the analytics folks said, not for Ben Sherratt, you're not going to get a first round pick. Um, we know that, uh, that that this is a first round pick in 2023. And uh, Kent Hughes was, was asked about that. And Florida doesn't have uh, their first round pick in 2022. So, mm-hmm. uh, But uh, Kent Hughes said the ask was always a first round pick in 2023. They wanted to add uh, to that complement of, of picks. Uh, it's not a protected pick, uh, which is is very interesting. Um, not not that we're expecting uh, Florida to take the kind of dive that Montreal did, uh, but you never know. And and so that pick is is not protected. Um, and the, um, Ken Hughes, uh, you know, put it out there that he wanted a, a first and a, th- a David Savard kind of, of return. Um, and he was able to get that, even though, you know, uh, uh, there was there was word uh, that the, the market was more of a buyer's market mm-hmm. and uh, that the expect prices to be soft. Ken Hughes held out got exactly what he was looking for, as well as a, a prospect uh, that they had their eye on. 
And, you know, they also then get this this fourth round pick for this year, Rick. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people talk about how how much I mean, Bergevin certainly did a lot to uh, if there's one thing that he did, he stockpiled picks for this uh, this Montreal uh, draft year uh, it, to be held at the Bell Center. Um, so, yes, the Canadians have plenty of draft picks coming up this summer, but doesn't hurt having another fourth rounder in there. No, not at all. And um, a lot of criticism of of Trevor Timmons, but one thing that he was very good at was getting value out of um, uh, the the later round picks. Uh, The Canadians in 2022 will now have three fourth round picks. Well, we'll see what they can do with all of that. Now, of course, as you say, you know, Tyler Smolanek plays in the NCAA for uh, for Quinnipiac Hockey. he comes along with the package as well. This should mention, okay, so he was drafted, he's a third round draft pick, 74th overall uh, two years ago in the 2020 NHL entry draft. Um, But this isn't just someone that Florida threw in. This was another, this is now the second time we've seen this happen. This was a targeted prospect for Gorton and Hughes. Um, Basically word on the street is that this, this prospect had to be included in the return. It wasn't just, okay, well, we'll entertain a number of different prospects. They wanted Ty Smolanek. And this is one of the reasons for uh, filling your your uh, organization with uh, extra assets. Uh, so either the pick or the prospect can be used in, in future trades. Florida was able to do that. Uh, he was listed, I believe it was number eight on their uh, prospect listing. Um, the kind of prospect that, uh, that, that there's, there's a pattern happening here. Uh, Emil Heinemann, um, uh, Ty, uh, Tyler, uh, Smolanik, uh, both of them, uh, have similar sort of, they, they, they not only are, uh, good skaters, quick skaters, but they process the game quickly. Um, also, uh, with Sm- Smolanik, uh, a high compete level, um, and, uh, and a very good shot. Um, but, uh, taken, as you said, um, uh, where he was, there's going to be some things to work on things to things, uh, that, that, uh, he needs to, to get better at. Um, and because of his speed, he's, he's been kind of a solitary player up till now. Um, he's, he's with Quinnipiac, um, and, and not necessarily a playmaker and, and you'll, you'll see him play a lot of, um, unsupported rushes. He gets ahead of his, his line mate. He needs to, to better use his line mates. And we see the uh, similar kind of things happening, uh, with, uh, Jan Meshack, who's made great strides, mm-hmm. um, in Hamilton with that. You, you get a player that has such a high compete level and they want to do it all. Uh, and of course, uh, you can't once you get into the pro rank. So that's something that Smolanik is going to have to um, learn. Um, the scout's question is hockey sense. Uh, he, he has a tendency to uh, try a complicated play rather than a simple play. And those are things that uh, are teachable, still at the NCAA level, lots mm-hmm. of time to develop. Absolutely. So, you know, overall, I really feel uh, that, uh, you know, I I felt good about the Tyler Toffoli trade and what Gorton and Hughes were able to get for Tyler Toffoli when they pulled the trigger on that deal. Uh, and I feel equally confident in what they've done here with Ben Sherratt. Um, I think they got 
they were firm in what they wanted. Uh, kudos to them for for getting that first rounder for 2023 uh, with a, certainly um, a prospect that's got some upside. And as you say, the things that uh, are maybe a weakness in his game are, are very teachable aspects. So I like the return. Mm-hmm. The question is, uh, what does Kent Hughes think about the return? Uh, as of yesterday, we felt that was without question the best deal that we could do. Uh, could we have waited and possibly had a better deal? Who knows? I, I think uh, you go into free agency uh, on the player side and you could wait and maybe end up with a better deal. Maybe you end up with a lesser deal. You don't know. Circumstances change it from day to day with injuries and things of that nature. But we're we're happy with, with the trade. And I think it makes Florida a much better hockey team at the same time. You know, at the end of the day, if every trade we do works out for both teams, I think that's the perfect situation. I, I'm not a fan of of um, hearing that. Oh, the, the one player or another, or one team or another stole this trade. Um, in this situation, has a lot to give up for Florida, but they got exactly the player that they wanted, exactly the player in their lineup that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that they had done a real deep dive on um, not only the on what you see on ice. Uh, from Ben Sherrod and his play in in the playoffs, but off the ice and how he could add to their leadership component uh, that would help them in a in a long playoff run. Um, so I think Ken Hughes is is quite right there in saying that um, it, you know both sides got what they wanted, and uh, and 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 that's the best kind of trade when it works out that way. Um, you, you notice that he talked about free agency. Well, we're not in free agency, but that's his experience Mm -hmm. in, in negotiating in a free agency period. Um, could a free agent wait an extra day and maybe another team would come and provide an offer? Yeah. But, um, you, you take the, the deal that's there. That's what he did rather than waiting, uh, for Monday, he got a very good deal. Um, and, um, and, and, like I say, both teams seem to have gotten what they wanted. Well, and Florida might actually be in in the very immediate time frame uh, with Aaron Eckblad going out with injury uh, in in a game. Uh, suddenly, Ben Sherrod being on the roster uh, becomes even more important. Thankfully, Florida says they're they're thinking that the the injury to Eckblad was not as bad as it looked, uh, but. You can see there's there's immediate ripple effects uh, when you make a move like this, and uh, maybe maybe wipe in the brow with a little relief that they've got Sherrod uh, coming. When I say coming, uh, it's because Sherrod hasn't joined the team yet. Uh, Florida is actually on a road trip right now, uh, Western road trip. It's looking like uh, more and more that he likely won't play his first game in a Panthers sweater until Thursday. And where do they play on Thursday? They play in the Bell Center on Thursday, uh, which, uh, of course, all eyes will be on that game for Habs fans. Uh, if Ben Sherrod is playing his very first game as a Florida Panther um, in in that building on that night, uh, he was asked about that, actually, in his, in his media availability. And he said that uh, it actually might help make the transition a little easier for him if he's playing in a familiar uh, environment and familiar surrounding, just not in the home dressing room. Um, 
And who knows, with what with all the talk heating up around Florida, there might be a lot of national attention on that game as well. Uh, could end up, if if things go the way Florida's pushing, uh, Claude Giroux might be making his debut uh, with the Panthers uh, that night as well. So uh, it will be, I think, very bittersweet, uh, Rick, for fans uh, if, if Ben Chirot plays his very first game as a Panther on Thursday night in the Bell Center. Ben Chirot, a, a well-loved uh, player. Um, he, he's very um, down-to-earth, very, very easygoing, uh, very relatable to the media. Um, his his final uh, press conference um, um, had he had his his daughter Emerson on his on his lap. He said he wasn't expected to be wasn't expecting to be um, before the mic, but. Uh, uh, was was happy. His daughter was was She's adorable, uh, adorable, well behaved, and um, yeah, it was it was kind of nice. So he gets to sit tight for now. Um, the the Florida Panthers uh, beat Anaheim three to nothing on Friday night. They don't have a game uh, for almost a week till that game on uh, next Thursday that you talked uh, you talked about in Montreal. So they are uh, flying to join Ben uh, and will likely arrive uh, a couple of days early so that uh, there can be some practice time. Um, but Ben Sherratt, uh this is a great opportunity for him um, to, to be in the playoffs uh, in the second straight year and maybe all the way to the Stanley Cup final for the second straight year. Absolutely. And, you know, he's... He certainly doesn't take his experience in Montreal lightly. Uh, it was you could tell he was um, while he he did say that, you know, he's been expecting this for a while now. He was kind of mentally prepared for it uh, and that it's all part of the business being traded. Uh, you could tell that there was certainly some emotion at, at being at Broussard. Uh, on that morning and saying goodbye to teammates and, and packing up his gear and so forth. Uh, but he had some some really positive reflections about his time in Montreal. I loved every minute. Of it. I loved, you know, being uh, being a Montreal Canadian. Um, the city, you know, the Bell Center, living in Montreal, all of it, the whole package. It's uh, it's a great place to be a hockey player. And, um, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll be I'll be happy that I that I played here. I think I really took another step in my in my career here, and, and as a player, um, obviously off the ice, my you know growing a family, it's uh, it's been a great place for me um, on the ice and off the ice. Certainly, uh, the coaching staff, Luke Richardson, was was massive for me and kind of getting me to the next step and giving me an opportunity to kind of be the player I always thought I could be. Um, so I'll always be grateful for my time here. Remember when he came from Winnipeg, uh, briefly um, played uh, up on a top pairing, um, but was thought of more as a, as a bottom-tiering defenseman and, and physical, and, and, uh, uh, but his game grew and, and added a, an offensive component. And, and Luke Richardson, uh, we've, we've heard Ben say before, he'd go through a wall for Luke. He really enjoyed playing <laughs> yeah. for him, and, um, and obviously... Uh, enjoyed his time in Montreal. That doesn't. I, I think a lot of fans are are reading into the fact that um, 
you know, oh, well, that maybe that means that he'll sign in the offseason. I, I think there's a pretty low probability of that. Montreal not um, a prime destination anymore, and particularly given that they're going to be a, a rebuilding team for a couple of years. Um, I, I, once, uh, Ben gets, uh, an opportunity to play in Florida to play with a very good team. Um, I, 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 yes, he's, he's an unrestricted free agent in, in July and, um, we'll be looking for a new home. Um, but I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, uh, hold, hold my breath to say he's coming back to Montreal. No, uh, one, one, uh, small note, which actually isn't so small that we should, uh, mention regarding this trade uh, because it certainly relates to the cap is that the Canadians will retain 50% of his salary for the rest of this season. A big deal for Florida, a big deal for Florida uh, so that they can add him at a, at a pretty low price. Not an issue for the Canadians given uh, where their situation is this year and the, 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 the amount of LTI arm um, that they have uh, against the cap. Um, so it, it, it was something that Montreal could offer that was very desired by Florida. Absolutely. So we've seen Toffoli uh, move. We've seen Sherratt move. There's also been a couple of, of other minor moves um, that have taken place. But who, you know, now it's, I mean, the time is ticking. The clock is ticking. Uh, we're just a couple of, we're, we're essentially 48 hours away from the trade deadline. Uh, who else is likely to be traded? Uh, obviously, Arturi Lekkonen has been the buzzword uh, as of late. The latest I've seen from guys like Pierre Lebrun uh, says that right now it's about 50-50 as to whether or not Lekkonen will be moved before the deadline. Uh, he is slated to play tonight. It does, unless something happens this afternoon uh, and it looks like there's a pen trade it does not look like he's going to be held out of the lineup tonight um i still think you know the price is is going to be high for for arturi lekin and teams are going to have to uh, he would make an for me he would make an immediate impact on any uh stanley cup contender uh guys any team that's looking to strengthen uh their their forward core he's an immediate asset uh it's just going to be whether or not teams are willing to pay the price for Arturi Lekkonen. Um With Drouin coming back tonight, I'd love to see him start getting thrown in the mix. Um, I think that's a, certainly a contract that could move. Um, it would be absolutely welcome to be moved. Um, I know you talked about uh, Matthew Perot in the first segment with Michael Spinella. I absolutely think Perot is going to get packaged out somehow. Um, you know, he's obviously not keen on going to Laval. Uh, and so, you know, if he can get thrown into a deal somehow, I'm sure, I'm sure we could see that as well. Um, Josh Anderson, I'm less confident that he'll go. Yoel Armia, I think might. Um, it's just kind of my, my gut feelings. Uh, I think that's all, they're all valid. Um, Lekkonen, um, I, I, I think, I, th I think it's a little better than 50-50. Um, hearing general managers talk, and they talk about glue guys, how you need to go on a long um, Stanley Cup run, you need glue guys. And there are very, very few glue guys. What's a glue guy? The guy that that's able to, to go up and down your lineup, play on any line, and instantly make that line better, that you can plug them in anywhere. And... and 
guys rally around the kind of work ethic that they have. Right. Uh, Arturi Lekkonen is a glue guy. Uh, he would be uh, helpful to any team. We saw how important um, the the Barkley Goodrose and the Blake Coleman's were for mm-hmm. uh, the Tampa Bay. And I think somebody is going to overpay for Arturi Lekkonen. And it will be an overpay because Kent Hughes has said uh, that they really like they really like Arturi Lekkonen and uh, would like to keep him. Now, listen, um, a lot of the comments that Kent Hughes is making are not for us, not for the media. They're not for fans. They are for other teams. They're for other the general managers of other teams. Mm-hmm. He's, he's sending signals around the, the league. Um, so when he says, um, you know, you think about, he says, this is, this is not a fire sale. And when you think of a fire sale or you think of a general manager coming in with a team at the bottom of the standings and completely cleaning house, you get the picture of all these vultures, uh, hovering around (laughs) looking for bargains. Um, I think, um, Kent Hughes is trying to, to change that perception or reset that perception Mm -hmm. that the Canadians are just uh, a fire sale. Um, and, and he's saying, we're only going to be trading if we're blown away by offers. He's setting the prices. He's setting the expectations for other, uh, general managers. And we've heard, uh, general managers say, no, the prices are too high. We're going to wait till they come down. Well, um, they, they haven't come down. You look at the wow. Hegel trade, you look at the Sherrod trade, the prices have not come down. Uh, and somewhere a general manager is going to start feeling a little nervous, start feeling that he's going to get left behind for the guy that he needs for his lineup. And there's going to be an overpayment. And, and so maybe, um, I, I think likely a Lackanen's going to go. Um, maybe a Brett Kulak's going to go, maybe mm-hmm. a Joel Armia. Um, um, Petries, I, I don't believe that's going to happen. Uh, I think that's summertime. Kent Hughes keeps saying he wants to accommodate um, Jeff Petrie, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a more complicated deal that likely happens in the summer. I think one of the things that we should not forget is that um, this isn't a passive situation for Jeff Gordon uh, and Kent Hughes. They have their eyes on on players too, and they're not going to wait uh, for teams to come and offer those players up. Um, whether it's a Jack McBain um, in uh, Minnesota, whether, whether it's a Nils Lundqvist with the Rangers, um, those are players, there are players that they have in mind to target. And so don't be su- surprised if um, with all the 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 draft assets that they have uh, that, that you see something happening in that regard where it's not necessarily a clean out of players. It's, it's an acquisition mm-hmm. uh, by the Montreal Canadiens. Don't forget that that might happen too. I welcome that because um, yes, there are contracts and players that need to be moved out of the organization, but at the same time, uh, you know, the picks and the prospects that you're getting in return are great to start kind of stocking your stores and and planning for the future. But there are definite needs on the Montreal Canadiens NHL roster right now. Um, and if they can if they can start making moves in that direction and use the assets that they have, meaning assets don't always equal players, but perhaps draft picks, perhaps uh, 
um, you know, things getting a little more creative, then I I would welcome that. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating and nail biting trade deadlines for the Montreal Canadiens than we've seen in a number of years. Uh, <laughs> trade deadline day has has had a reputation uh, recently for for Montreal to be a little bit of a ho hum affair. So um, I think it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the next forty eight hours. Um, the thing that we need to really remember, though, is, yes, that we're looking at a rebuild here. The rebuild, uh, we've seen already the first stones of the foundation of the rebuild put it, being put into place by Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes. Uh, and so really, to to better understand what the rebuilding is going to look like, um, I think we need to focus a little bit on on Jeff Gordon's history with this. Well, Rick, I know that you and I are very, very pleased to welcome our guest this week to the Canadians Connection podcast, a friend of ours and colleague who we uh, hope to see again in a press box very soon. It's been far too long since the last time we've we've gotten to sit down and have a conversation with him while watching a game. And he's the one and only Alan Creta, a hockey writer for both the New York Times and the Associated Press uh, covering uh, the New York Rangers, the New York Islanders, the New Jersey Devils these days. Uh, Alan, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome. Glad to join you guys. One thing that I that I have to ask, you know, it's we talk about um, some of the teams, whether it's the Canadians or or the Rangers, or even uh, before the show, we were talking a bit about the Islanders' new new arena. But for the Rangers, MSG, just like the Bell Center is for Montreal, the Madison Square Garden is, of course, an iconic venue to watch a hockey game. What now with the Rangers in the top ten in the league and getting fans back in the building finally? What's uh, what's the atmosphere like in MSG these days? It's been alive in, in more ways than one. Last night was a perfect example, maybe the loudest I've heard it all season and in, the, in turn in years. The Islanders against the Rangers, the old-time, long-time rivals, playing on St. Patrick's Day night. It was a, it was a very playoff-esque game, atmosphere, fast-paced, exciting, loud. Fans are into it uh, from both sides, and it was a one-goal game right down to the wire. The place was hopping. It, it could have been 1983, the way it sounded in there last night. And of course, the garden, when it's the garden, there's no place quite like it. Since they remodeled it, though, about a decade ago now, it, it's sort of bigger. The, the noise diffuses somewhat. It's not as not as cauldron-like as it was in my childhood in the 70s and 80s. So, But it's loud, but not as loud. What it needs is a playoff series, a playoff run, which the Rangers might get on this year it's been five years since they made the bonafide playoffs in 2017 when they defeated the canadians and then lost to ottawa so i i know i know it well it's a totally different energy once the playoffs hit new york when the rangers get on a roll the whole city gets behind them it takes on a like a higher power and hockey fans come out of the woodwork to to, to root for them and talk about them so it I think Ranger Ranger Nation is looking forward to that. It's been a while, and they had a, a, a taste of that last night. And of course, they're so they've been so good at home this year. They have, they're twenty six and five, and they're twenty in their well, actually twenty six and three in twenty nine home games. So they, they've not been losing. They've been winning almost every night. Uh, the six losses were probably most of them one goal losses, like last night. So they they've never gotten blown out. They're they're dominating games or winning late. And the fans love it. Uh, Chris Kreider's got his 
scored his 40th last night, set up a wild celebration. So 20 wins that quickly. Only a handful of Ranger teams have ever done that. And they still have they still have 12 more home games, so they could set all kinds of records this year. So the fans are excited. It's been a while. A new generation has been introduced. And, of course, coming off the COVID couple of years of uh, no fans, half fans in the building. Last year was totally bizarre with empty building games and then fans kind of coming back. It never felt right. And since the season two years ago ended so abruptly, uh, the fans, I'm sure, feel like it's just been forever since they've had a, a bona fide spring run with a playoff team. So currently, uh, as we record eighth in the NHL, and I think for our Canadians uh, listeners, Canadians fans, they're interested in one of the architects of uh, of this success. But before we get there, maybe if you can just talk about uh, the components of that success. You mentioned Chris Kreider getting his 40th. Um, you know, he could legitimately be a contender for the Rocket Richard Trophy. You have uh, Shesterkin, who could be a contender for both Vezin and Hart Trophies. Uh, Adam Fox, Norris candidate, uh, Gerard Gallant, former Canadians assistant uh, coach, uh, could be up for Jack Adams. And then you've got all these, this young talent, uh, Lafreniere and Kako and Braden Schneider. And uh, can you talk about how that's all come together for the the Rangers this season? It's it's been a bit magical, honestly. Coming off the last three years, it was basically the rebuild uh, following the letter that Jeff Gordon uh, issued and then started trading key pieces of championship teams. And now it took a while. David Quinn's three years yielded some results, but not enough. So 2019 was the total rebuild year. 1920, they were making strides, but again, ended abruptly. Probably wouldn't have made the playoffs, but it definitely showed signs. It was the basically handing over the baton from Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shesterkin. So we saw the beginnings of of that career and last year being the truncated weird conference only games got a taste of it again, but they, they fall that they just didn't have enough balance. And this year they're better a professional coach. That's he's just letting the veterans play. They're, they're not, you can just tell Mika's been a jet to me Panarin. They're not stressed. They're just out there doing what they do. And, and Gerard Galan has trusted the rookies. He's, he's left them alone. He's let them find their footing. There's just a sense that he's, He's a hands-off, let-the-players-play kind of coach, and I think the veterans have done what they do. The Rangers didn't name a captain again. They're going with six assistant captains. Maybe that's a good strategy. It's obviously working for this group. Everyone seems to be playing for everyone, and you have total pros like Adam Fox is putting up those numbers again. You have Mika doing his thing, 24 goals. Of course, Kreider having the year. He's having a career year of goal scoring. There's only been three Rangers to reach 50 and that should be easy. He's got plenty of games left to get another 10 goals, 21 games. So mind boggling. Actually, he never had more than 28 and he's got 40 now. All kinds of things going on. Of course, there's the untested waters of the playoffs and Shesterkin as great as he's been with 29 wins already has not played in the true playoff game. So it remains to be seen, but they have depth, they have size, they have experience. And it's, it's wild to follow. I mean, it's, again, been a while for them, so the rookies will have their taste. And, and they brought them along uh, well and quietly. And Braden Schneider, who stepped in, looks like he's been there five years already. He's got size and, and presence, fit right in. And uh, Lafreniere is definitely getting there. He made a beautiful pass and cried his 40th goal last night, so he's, he's getting there slowly but surely. So, 
Kapos had injuries, but but will come along. There's, there is that sense of just letting them play. I, I think it, it comes right down to the coach instilling that mindset. They were a little uneasy with a college coach. It, it just felt like they were on edge much more than they are this year, and I think it's just also for maturity. And top of that, the acquisitions of guys like Barkley Goodrow and Ryan Reeves instilling a veteran presence, a winning presence, guys that have been there. Barkley Goodrow winning two cups with Tampa Bay. That doesn't hurt. So uh, that's, that's a pedigree that they've needed, hadn't had, and, and now have. You know, winning teams always need a player or two that's won a cup somewhere to, uh, to just instill the team with what it takes to get there and do that. And they have it now. So if they get the goaltending, maybe at a piece at the trade deadline on defense, another sizable piece, anything's possible. We've seen that before. Team gets hot. Goaltender leads them uh, to the great unknown. But it, it's definitely um, an intriguing time for the Rangers. Uh, five years is an awfully long time in Manhattan without a player for it. It's like the Yankees, you know, not making the postseason. It, it, it seems longer for fans that are used to winning. So. Rangers had such a long, long playoff, uh, perennial playoff team with Henrik Lundqvist in that they got used to it. So these last five years have been been a long wait, but they're getting there. So all these pieces coming together, um, and you, you mentioned Gerard Gallant has been key in 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 uh, his uh, influence, his impact. As has Chris Drury. We don't we don't want to minimize uh, what he's done with the team, but. Much, much of the work uh, was done in the, the era of John Davidson and, and uh, the current uh, member of the, the Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Gorton. And, and I guess if we can talk for a minute about Jeff Gorton and, and uh, what he did with, with uh, the Rangers. And, and you mentioned some of those young, Braden Schneider was drafted um, uh, under the Gorton regime, Caco, Lafreniere. Um, but you, you mentioned the letter and... Uh, and, and that's what it's called these days, the letter. Uh, and everybody knows what you're talking about. We ta- It was so astonishing in the hockey world, at least for those of us outside of, of New York. Um, we talked about it in detail on this podcast because we were just blown away. Uh, and we have to go back to 2018, February. It was a letter that came from uh, Glenn Sather and Jeff Gordon uh, an open letter to the fans, and uh, it talked about uh, the plan. It was very transparent. Uh, this is what we're going to do. Uh, there's going to be some tough times, and you talked about uh, the the playoff drought. Uh, but this is what we're going to get to. This is our plan. This is our 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 direction, our roadmap. And um, I just want to read a, a, a bit of it uh, for our uh, listeners. Um, and we go through the third paragraph. They talk about, we've been continuously evaluating our team, looking for areas that can be improved to enhance our win- chances of winning. We began the process of reshaping our team this past summer when we traded for assets that we believe will help us in the years to come. As we approach the trade deadline, and we're approaching the trade deadline as we speak here, um, and into the summer, this is the 2018 trade deadline, we will be focused on adding young competitive players that combine speed, skill, and character. We've already heard Jeff Gorton talk about that's those are the qualities he's looking for players uh, when they acquire uh, assets for Montreal. And he goes on to say, um, this may mean we may lose some familiar faces, guys we all care about and respect. And Jeff Gordon was probably uh, criticized by some fans for getting rid of, rid of fan favorites 
And the same thing is happening here now under the Jeff uh, Gordon and um, Ken Hughes. Um, the letter continues, while this is part of the game, it's never easy. Our promise to you is that our plans will be guided by our singular commitment, ensuring that we are building uh, the foundation for our next Stanley Cup contender. Um, it's tough. It was a tough process. Uh, but now they're seeing the fruits of, of uh, those moves. And I guess I'll just ask you, how how was that uh, that letter received by Rangers fans? And, and um, you know, do they look fondly now on the moves that were, were made to achieve where they are now? I think they appreciated the honesty coming out and just saying it. Here's what we're going to do before they traded big names. Brian McDonough was traded. JT Miller was traded. Rick Nash was traded. I mean, they, they broke up a team that, probably could have squeaked into the playoffs in 2018 and, and Alain Vigneault's what turned out to be his final season. I mean, they had made the playoffs the year every year before that, except for 2010 and that, in that long run. So it wasn't like they were falling off, but they were far enough along where they saw the writing on the wall and they had to trade big contracts and get younger. And they decided to boldly say, here's where we're going to do it. And we're basically going to, sacrifice next season that's that's what they did they they went into 2018-19 knowing they set a very young team with a new coach and a lot of new pieces and a lot of missing familiar faces they subsequently had a trade Matt Zuccarello later that year that that didn't uh, help the fan base feel better but they did what they did so that that was probably the most traumatic trade of all because aside from Henrik Lundqvist Matt was the most popular ranger by far and they I never thought they got enough back on that one. They only got a couple of mid-level picks. So tough stuff. I mean, the team was, was in an oddly constructed way. They weren't winning. It wasn't really showing a lot of results. But after credit, Jeff Gordon, he, he stuck to his guns. He, he used all those picks they had accrued, made some what turned out to be very nice selections. Keandre Miller, first round, 2018, he's turning into a good player. They, they whiffed on uh, Leah Sanderson, but that happens in 2017 and Tally Kravstov hasn't worked out, but who knows? He could be a trade chip turned into something else. And those Lundquist is showing promise. Also 2018 first round pick. And then of course winning the lottery twice, basically Mm -hmm. first, the second pick, then the first pick. So, I mean, talk about winning. That's two gems. The the Rangers uh, fell into. So, and then of course have to credit Jeff Gordon with a tremendous acquisition of Mika Zibinijet in 2016. Or was it was another popular ranger, Derek Broussard, mm-hmm. uh, one of the really good guys, popular guys in the room, but they, they, they had to make a trade quality for quality and look at Mika. I mean, he's a superstar for them. So probably the best trade rangers have made in the last 10 years. So overall, I mean, that's a high mark. Jeff Gordon is, as GM, he, he, he stuck with it. He, he learned with uh, working with Glenn Sather. He learned all those years working in the Bruins organization. He's loyal, honest. I, I always said, pleasant dealings with him so I mean from my perspective he did a very good job maybe they didn't hire the right coach but they took a chance on a college coach with a young team they've done it right with Gallant which is a later later move of course happened after Jeff left with John Davidson last spring and a very strange ending (laughs) to that season and uh, everything about last May was pretty bizarre actually with the Tom Wilson business but um on balance, very high marks. The, the Rangers missing the playoffs 
was a product of a rebuild that they told the fans they would do. So they, they asked for patience. They pretty much got it. The fans saw the young talent uh, percolating, and it's, it's definitely coming, moving along. So I think more patience is needed, but uh, they're getting there. Uh, excellent job, you know, in a long tenure too. It's not easy in New York. The pressure to win is constant. So some somebody had a very good idea of like we're just going to tell the fans what we're doing before we do it. I think it would be more <laughs> traumatic if you just traded Ryan McDonough. I just they knew it was happening, but to just make that many moves all at once was um, would have been traumatizing without advance warning. We don't know anything about trading Ryan McDonough without advance warning. <laughs> right. I heard that story. 2010, Scott Gomez, right. Um, we're, we're a few days away from the trade deadline, and um, uh, the Rangers have already made a move, uh, bringing in Frank Vetrano, a fourth-round pick to um, uh, the Panthers, which uh, the Panthers turned around and uh, sent the Rangers' fourth-round pick to uh, Montreal um, in the... Uh, Sherratt, ben Sherratt trade. Um, do, you, do you have an inkling about what the, the Rangers might do? And, and we've been hearing a lot of uh, that, that the Rangers have some interest in a player like Arturi Lekkonen. Um, what, what do you think that the Rangers are looking for? And, and, and if it's Lekkonen, uh, how could he help uh, that roster? An intriguing idea. My my theory is they would like to add essentially a third line center to complement Ryan Strom in the, in the second slot and Mika Svinja in the first slot, and then they have their workman like fourth line with McKeg, Kevin Rooney, and Ryan Reeves. So they need a little more veteran something on the third line, and Philip Heedle's been fine, but. I think they want a little more experience there. So I, I could see a move like that where it comes down to salary. I mean, JT Miller has been mentioned, but he's a high priced player. If they bring him in at five plus million, he's still out next year. They'd have a hard time keeping Ryan Strom. So they'd have to balance that. I think Ryan Strom is, is a popular sidekick to Artemi Panarin. So I, I don't really think they're anxious to see him leave. So they need a basically less expensive option in the middle. So a player like Lekkonen could work at half the price. JT Miller, and certainly the trading partner the Rangers would have in Montreal, would be familiar with the assets mm-hmm. that are available in New York. So that's uh, definitely a intriguing possibility. I'm always feel like I'm in the dark on trade deadline and the days leading up to it. I'm not much of a rumor believer. Right. So I let mm-hmm. things happen as they happen. I think this is, is way too much misinformation that tends to float around and take hold. And I'd rather be right and second or third than incorrect and first. So we say that all the time. That sounds very, that's a very familiar (laughs) philosophy in these parts. (laughs) Especially these days when with social media, what is first 12 seconds on Twitter? I mean, what does it really mean? So it's more of an ego trip, but generally the trade has become such a cottage industry. I feel like waiting it out and seeing how it plays out is much more efficient than maybe not guessing, but uh, putting out what may or may not happen because may, a lot of things may or may not happen. <laughs> that is true. You mentioned that, uh, you know, if, if a trade were to, to take place between the Canadians and the Rangers, that certainly uh, the 
the folks on the front office side, on the Montreal Canadian side, would be well familiar uh, with the assets in play in New York, uh, not necessarily just at the NHL level, but at the AHL level as well. Of course, this time of year, uh, also teams are looking at at not only uh, – players to insert on their NHL roster right away, but also picks and top prospects. Uh, just so happens uh, that as we record this, uh, the New York Rangers AHL affiliate, the Hartford Wolfpack, are in Laval, Quebec, uh, to take on the Laval Rocket tonight. Um, and uh, one of the guys that's on defense for the Hartford Wolfpack is is someone who uh, Jeff Gordon likely could be eyeing up as a as a prospect to come back in a trade, and that would be uh, one Nils Lundqvist. Can can you do you ha- can you talk a little bit even at all about uh, what kind of strengths a prospect like that would bring to a roster? got to be upside i mean he, he he showed the skill maybe not quite the size but he showed the skill level in his brief brief games brief time this season then sent back the seasoning so i i suspect the rangers just wanted to have more veteran presence on the blue line and then Braden schneider came along so they had some size so it, i don't think he's really tapped the potential it, it seemed like he just needed some more experience at the ahl level and i'm sure Jeff Gordon has been been watching him, so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him as part of a package just because the Rangers do have depth uh, on the right side. They do have Jacob Truba. They have Adam Fox. They have they have enough pieces perhaps ahead of Nils Lundqvist that they can afford to package him. So I, I, I don't think – I really haven't seen enough to get a full picture. It was a brief, brief sojourn in New York, <laughs> and the team was kind of in flux earlier in the season with some players, but I, I felt like you could just tell he, he seemed like he just needed a little more something uh, at the AHL level, which is a good thing. I mean, so many players benefit by a year, year and a half mm-hmm. at that level and then come uh, come up stronger, of course, coming over a different culture, a different language. It all plays into it, um, I'm sure. So first-round pick, I mean, high pedigree. Uh, uh, confusing sometimes when you say um, saved by Lundqvist, uh, may not be the same Lundqvist. That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, we were waiting for him to make a sliding stop in front of an empty net so everyone could say that officially. But he, he's only 21. I mean, it's, it's plenty of upside. So I could see maybe that's the reverse McDonough uh, acquisition <laughs> for, for the Canadians. He only played 25 games, scored a goal, uh, three assists. So small sample size and uh, upside for sure. But uh, remains to be seen exactly where he'd fit in with this current Ranger roster in terms of what they do, picking up a more veteran presence. I don't know that he'd play uh, going down the stretch or in the playoffs this year. We we said we hope to see you in, in Montreal at the draft uh, in July, and, and we sure hope that that happens. The last time that, that the draft was in Montreal was 2009. And um, because I love to torture myself, I love to think about sitting in the Bell Center, uh, waiting for the Canadians to pick 18th overall. And on my mind, it was, was no other player than Chris Kreider. And, um, and as it turns out, that was the player that Trevor Timmons uh, wanted uh, for the Canadians as well. But um, strange as it happened, Jeff Molson was in the process of taking over the team, um, ownership of the team. Uh, from the Gillettes and uh, and and basically overruled the the staff saying no no we need the local guy here 
uh, to create a, a big splash. And, and the Canadians, as we know, chose Louis LeBlanc, uh, 18th overall. And um, uh, that went nowhere. And, it, and the very next pick, it was Chris Kreider, who had speed. He had uh, a physical play. He had an edge to him. Uh, everything that the Canadians uh, would have needed, and and uh, and and maybe that that incident uh, with uh, Kreider and Price doesn't happen into 2014. Um, but talk about uh, Chris Kreider because he didn't become a. It's taken him a while to get to 40 goals. Um, talk about his development, his evolution as 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 a Ranger. Well, he burst on the scene in the 2012 playoffs, basically right into the fire of that run. The Rangers had to the conference finals scoring goals like crazy uh, right out of college. I mean, he, he, he's been a, he's been like, when is he going to have the big year, but he works hard player the whole way through fan favorite, of course, the size, the speed since they, since they have, I mean, he's now the most senior Ranger on top of everything else. Suddenly he's 30. He'll be 31 on April 30th. I mean, the time, time does fly. And that was certainly some draft class, he was part of, I was there. And of course, so John Tavares taken first overall and uh, the Rangers getting Kreider 19th overall, the first introduction to a player as close to my name I'll ever see in the NHL <laughs> on top of that. So major bonus there. We've talked about it. And uh, he's a very good person, very erudite guy, speaks Russian. I mean, he's thoughtful, thoughtful every interview. He's, he's a pleasure to uh, to interact with, and he's, he's just seen it all, been there for it all. He's essentially as close as they've got to, to a captain if they were to name one. I just don't know if he wants the role of captain, being the one to answer for the team every game. But it's certainly been enjoyable to watch his progression, his ascension. To me, he's always been a factor, whether he's scoring 24 goals or now 40 on, on his way to probably 50-plus. He, he's a leader. He's, he's been a strength. He's... He was buddies with Mika. He's been still buddies with Mika. He was buddies with Matt Zuccarello. I was very close to Henry Blunkwitz. He's just been part of the leadership core. He's been there for all those playoff runs from 12 on, and the Rangers certainly have had a lot of them. He was with, with them through the to the finals in 14, with them to the conference finals in 15. He's, there's no one more veteran, more knowledgeable, more of a presence, and then to, to see him having this kind of year justifying the big contract he signed a couple of years ago is even more satisfying. So, very pleasant to watch someone, you know, reach that level at this age. There are only a handful of players that didn't score their 40th, have a 40 goal season until 30 plus. And he mm. was added to that list last night. So notable, there've been 21 Ranger players that have scored 40 and there's 25 different seasons where a Ranger player has scored 40. So it's, it's very uh, elite company there. Only three times has a Ranger scored 40 more than once. Uh, that was Marion Gabrick, John Rattel, and Mike Gardner did it three times. So, elite company. Uh, Forty goals doesn't happen every day, and only three Rangers ever scored fifty. So, to, he could he could easily eclipse uh, Yarmy Yager's mark of fifty-four if he can uh, score fifteen more times in the next twenty-one games. Seems doable. So, my goodness. If if, if he had been a Canadian. It, it sure would have been different in 2014. That's, that's definite. <laughs> that is that is for sure. And and you know, so of course, that's kind of the the infamous Kreider Canadians incident. Is is that that uh, 
injury to Carey Price and and all the fallout from that. Um, you know, these are two original six teams. So this is uh, two of the most storied franchises in the National Hockey League. Stories like that uh, are bound to resonate through history in 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 the course of of the years. I wanted just to mention to you. Um, happened to just be on Twitter at the right time uh, about a week ago and noticed a tweet from Mike Camito, who had a um, a screen grab of a snippet of an article from the New York Times uh, written by Gerald Eskenazi back in 1967 mm-hmm. um, titled Worsley Suffers Minor Concussion. And I just I I I chuckled out loud at at this partially because um, Gerald's writing in it is is there's a couple things that actually made me laugh out loud, but just just the whole rivalry, you know, way back then. Even this is 1967. Gump Worsley, the Canadians' goaltender, was hit in the head with an egg in his first <laughs> appearance at the Garden uh, in, in a year. Uh, it says here, quote, the egg was tossed by an anti-Canadian and smacked into Gump Worsley's right temple just below the Montreal goalie's crew cut. The Gumper suffered a minor concussion and sat out the rest of the game, which ended in a 2-2 tie at that time. I love how Gerald then goes on to say after that, you can tell this is not a Montreal Canadiens writer, as he says, quote, after the tubby Worsley waddled off the ice. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> His place was taken by Rogi Vachon. Uh, Worsley, of course, leaves the game after just two minutes, 45 seconds of action. Um, and then at the very end, he has a quote from um, uh, head coach at the time, Emile Francis, saying, quote, that egg didn't only hurt Worsley. It cut down our momentum. Um just a tremendous quote, a tremendous story. Uh, should note, uh, we we see that Gerald Eskenazi is still writing for the Times. In fact, just uh, just penned an article about the recent passing of Emil Francis, uh, yes. not not so long ago. But stories like this, as they come through the ages, as I said, these are two of the top most storied franchises in the National Hockey League. What is is there a particular memory for you? through the years, early on, more recently, whatever it may be, that really sticks out with the rivalry with these two teams? For me, as a kid in the mid or early to mid-70s, seeing those red Canadians jerseys on the garden ice had a magical quality. I don't think I fully <laughs> realized just how magical it would be when I think back to those players. No helmets, the hair, Yvonne Conway, Ray Jean Oul, Ken Dryden, I mean, Serge Savard, one after the other, those guys out there flying, literally flying on the floor, ma- magical thoughts. Uh, I don't think I, you know, I hope you knew the Canadians won the cup all the time and the Rangers didn't. So that was, <laughs> that was the difference. And, and I, I actually do remember Gump Worsley, but very vaguely with Minnesota at the end of his career, no mask, still playing in his early forties. Thinking, well, this guy's unbelievable to watch. And I, I, I heard, story told before he joined the Canadians with the Rangers, struggling Rangers in the 50s and 60s, uh, never never winning anything. The Rangers, of course, didn't win a playoff series between 1950 and 1971. So it was 20 years of the, the desert of nothing happening in the postseason. And they once asked Gump Worsley after another tough loss with the Rangers, where I guess he was famous for 
a beer and a cigarette That's right. in the room <laughs> post game, and they had another exasperated, frustrating finish. And they said to him, "Which team is your toughest opponent?" in the league and he said the Rangers <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, it was pretty typical of the times uh, so he, he was a colorful character so to go on and win all those cups for Montreal had, had to be amazing four Stanley Cups to come for Wesley's name and uh, I, I wish I had experienced the original six in person it's me mm. it's all just uh, images and stories a little way too young to have seen any of those games live pre-67 so it just has a spiritual quality to think of playing those teams however all the times every game was epic I heard every time no matter who played whom it was epic and those six teams it's always a special quality to see them back for me it's only once or twice a year with the divisional lineups uh, the way they are to see Montreal or Toronto Detroit, uh, Chicago once only. So anytime they're playing each other, anytime being at Bell Center, got to the forum one time way back when, amazing. Uh, just there's something about it still to see the jerseys, see the colors, think of the players that wore it, to think of the players that won wearing it. I was, again, too young to see John Beliveau play in person, but just watching and hearing stories about him and meeting him once at an event in Manhattan true hero and I had the lucky fortune to go up to Montreal and write an article with his wife Elise mm. five years ago tremendous person in the stories uh, just to just sit in the alumni lounge at the Bell Center under his photo well, actually many photos in Belleville Corner it was a religious experience and she was talking about all the winning he did all the, all the generosity he had as a person and she did say one amazing quote from her was that, uh, you know, when we won, don't think we didn't party because we did. And uh, <laughs> just because we didn't post it on uh, Instagram, uh, it was, we, we, we partied, we had, we enjoyed, you know, it was a big family. We had been together for so long. The, the wives, the wives that I met when I was young in the early fifties uh, were wives of players that maybe have been this since the thirties. So the links, the links are so deep for me and she's still at the game. She's still mm-hmm a fan she's still behind the bench silver hair she still knows the players she she's right in there uh <laughs> I'm 90 years old i mean incredible so that that to me is the canadians in a nutshell the bellavo ethos continues and and brendan gallagher loves seeing her at the game as pk suban is majorly close to, to john bellavo so she she talks about these these young guys like they're her kids grandkids she's she's part of it so the lineage lives and I mean I don't think there's a team in sports that can compare to the Canadians in terms of the winning and, and that that cultural lineage maybe the Yankees in baseball those two are the top two Boston Celtics in basketball but the Canadians stand alone but yeah for me it comes back to just seeing those red jerseys at the garden a couple of times unbelievable just, just iconic absolutely and i yeah. you know i'd love to see if if a writer would dare to uh to to write uh, that a that an opponent uh, an opponent 
opposing player was tubby and waddled off the ice at some mm-hmm. point today. It was just, different. Not me. Just, tre- no. just tremendous. Just tremendous. Well, Alan, I wonder Cr- what the quotes were after that game. Well, from, from yeah. Would love to know that to be a fly on the wall. Well, Alan Krita, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it has always, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, the stories you have, the insight you have are just fascinating. And uh, Rick and I, and all of the Canadians connections listeners can't thank you enough for joining us here today. Uh, if you would like to follow Alan's work, you can find him on Twitter at a Krita. That's at a K R E D a on Twitter. And, uh, Alan, uh, we look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. Sure. Anytime. Look forward to visiting Montreal soon. Seeing you guys at the, at the draft and, and all, all good times ahead for the, for the hockey world. We, we all need it. We all need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. It's been far too long since we've had to have uh, had the opportunity to have a chat with Alan Krita. I think we could sit and listen. He's got so many great stories from all of his uh, years of experience covering uh, the Rangers and the Islanders and, and now even the Devils. Uh, just a just a fascinating conversation. It was so great to have him on the show. Alan's a great friend. Uh, we have wonderful conversations when whenever we get together, just talking about hockey, and and it's it's talking all over the map. But as you said, he's he's a key person uh, to to tap his uh, insight into uh, Jeff Gordon, and he was there every step of the way, uh, watching how this uh, Rangers team. Uh, was um, taken apart to a certain extent, and and some some fan favorites traded away, but has been uh, rebuilt into uh, now what could be called a Stanley Cup contender. Absolutely, and I think Habs fans listening to that interview should feel invigorated by that and hopeful by that because what what Jeff Gordon did in that rebuild, uh, they've turned that around in a very relatively short mm-hmm. amount of time. Uh, and so if you can think big picture like that and think, okay, it's 2022 now, um, maybe next season is mediocre, but if we're starting to look at perhaps the 23-24 season, and most certainly the 24-25 season, Habs fans could have some really exciting things to look forward to in the short term. So uh, thanks again to Alan for joining us. We will certainly have him back on the show again soon. Uh, And now that we've heard what Alan Krita has had to say. Uh, Coming up next, we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, We're going to take our last break here on this episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. And coming up, we're going to read your replies to our question of the week and get you caught up on some really tremendous comment uh, content that you might have missed here at Rocket Sports this past week. So don't go anywhere. Uh, You are listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. 
a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 183 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Of course, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And be sure to visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed. If you're a new listener, maybe this is the first or second time you've heard the show, uh, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We want to make sure that you get an episode of Canadians Connection right in your notifications uh, every Saturday. So, don't forget to do that. Also, uh, this is an interactive show, as you're going to hear uh, here in just a uh, just a couple of moments. So you can there's plenty of ways that you can reach out to us, but you can text us actually text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line, and that number is five eight five three Rocket. Again, that's 5853 Rocket. Uh, in this segment, of course. Uh, we know everything is uh, there's there's just things flying at you every day, it seems, particularly with the trade deadline heating up. We want to make sure that you don't miss any of the great content that we've got on the number of platforms that we uh, have content on here at Rocket Sports Media. The, uh, first and foremost, of course, is allhabs.net. That is our flagship website, All Habs Hockey Magazine. Uh, there you will find Chris G's weekly Habs notepad, uh, getting you caught up on everything going on within the entire Canadians organization, NHL, AHL, ECHL levels, uh, as well as Habs headlines that come out uh, occasionally throughout the week with the latest Montreal Canadiens news comprehensive game day previews and recaps for each game the Montreal Canadiens play. Uh, and sometimes even some special content should point out uh, our our dear friend and contributor, staff writer, uh, Mike Raschel, has a great article out this week, uh, basically outlining uh, potential prospect targets for the trade deadline for the Habs, you know, giving you a list of some guys uh, who could be uh, hot commodities for the Montreal Canadiens to target when they make these trade deals in the next couple of days. It's a it's a great look at some of the the top prospects out there who could fit well into the Canadians organization. Uh, and so you don't want to miss that. And, uh, you know, like in our last segment, I mentioned Jack McBain. Mm hmm. I don't know Jack McBain. I don't follow the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. Um, as fans may be saying out there, we'll go to the article and uh, Mike will t will tell you about Jack McBain That's and right. why the Canadians might be interested. Uh, 
Uh, Martin Haas with with Washington. We know that Washington has had some interest in Lekkonen. Brock Faber with the LA Kings. Uh, see if, if there's a match there. These are the kinds of prospects that would fit into that new. Uh, looking for for uh, guys with speed, guys with character. Um, these are the kind of prospects that the Canadians might be considering uh, on trade deadline day. Absolutely. Great job uh, to Mike Rashel on, on that article. Be sure to check it out. Uh, if you have not done so already, we invite you to subscribe to the All Habs Hockey Magazine YouTube channel. Easy to do. Uh, either just go over to the YouTube app and search for All Habs Hockey Magazine and hit subscribe. Or if you just want to get right there, youtube.com slash allhabs. Uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and you will be notified every Thursday when we publish a brand new episode of the Habs Hockey Report show. Uh, I host that every Thursday. It's a brand new weekly series that we're doing. Uh, I'll bring you news about the Canadians, about the Laval Rocket and prospects, and really lots of fan interaction. Um, this week, uh, the the title of the episode from just, uh, just a couple of days ago is the Trade Deadline Countdown. So I'm going to talk there about Ben Sherrod and guys who could be traded. We're going to hear from fans answering uh, the who answering the question of who they think is going to be moved. You know, Rick and I just got done talking about who we think might also get traded away from the Canadians organization before three o'clock on Monday. Well, uh, I read fan question, uh, fan answers as to who others think um, will be moved as well as it was our very first all Habs mailbag segment on the show had a couple of great mailbag questions uh, that we were able to answer so be sure to check that out uh, and subscribe at the all Habs YouTube channel and finally of course our sister podcast on the AHL report is called the press zone Uh, we uh, Rick and I host that every Tuesday afternoon Uh, and uh, next week you don't want to miss That episode, we will be breaking down whatever it is uh, that the Canadians do uh, for the trade deadline, uh, since we'll be less than 24 hours out of that. As well, our dear friend Patrick Williams will be back for a new edition of the AHL Hot Stove, which is always uh, a fascinating segment. So be sure you subscribe at thepresszone.fm. So, Rick, uh, we as you know, as we talk about it quite a bit, uh, we love to hear from fans and we love to hear your opinions on things out there. The Canadians Connection question of the week, of course, was, are you happy with the return for Ben Sherratt? Uh Rick and I explained in the past set in the last segment why we thought it was a good trade. Uh, but Rick, what what did the fans think about it? If you go to facebook.com slash allhabs, facebook.com slash allhabs, all one word, um, you can join uh, the community of 50,000 Habs fans that are there commenting on every uh, thing that happens with the, with the Montreal Canadiens. And in asking that question to Habs fans, uh, here's some of, the, of what they had to say. Uh, Garth Max Stiebel says, wow. Kudos to Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, a prospect, a first rounder next year and a fourth rounder this year, as well as retaining just half his salary. Don't know how you could do any better than that. Uh, the fourth rounder is, is, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the prospect, uh, he's got it all there. I uh, don't know how you could do any better than that. Even if you waited until Monday, Panthers are well positioned to go deep this year. Sherratt could be in the finals two years in a row on two different teams. Brad Wright says, good luck, great trade on an expiring contract. 
Geraldine Joe says, thanks for all you did uh, for the Habs. Good luck in Florida. Uh, Rocky Pickering says, good move for Ben from last to a contender. Good luck. Um, Ian Mitchell said, it's been known for quite some time that he was going to be moving. At 31, he still has many good years ahead of him, providing he stays healthy. Uh, Gerald Couture says, terrible. Absolutely nothing in return. And you're paying 50% of his salary? A third round pick, that's not likely to pan out. Late first rounder, a fourth. Why you take a fourth, a top four defenseman that does the things you need to win doesn't make sense. And you're paying his salary. Best of luck, Ben. I hate rebuilds. (laughs) When they trade Gallagher, I'm really going to be pissed. And that's going to happen. So prepare yourself there, Gerald. But this is why I love hearing from the fans, because you get to hear these passionate responses at both ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. And and I'll just remind uh, of the second segment, uh, that letter to to uh, Rangers fans when the Rangers said, we're going to trade your, your favorites. Uh, and Alan said, uh, yeah, Zuccarella was, uh, that didn't go over well, but look what's happened. Look what they've been able, how they've been able to That's right. uh, rebuild the team. It's, uh, it's always fun. Be sure to uh, drop a comment at the All Habs uh, Facebook fan page, uh, facebook.com slash All Habs. Uh, drop a comment on Twitter at All Habs. Um, and uh, we love to hear uh, fan reactions, and we love to share your uh, your comments and questions and reactions on the show. So uh, can't wait to hear from you. Uh, of course, we will be back here on uh, the Canadians Connection for another brand new episode next Saturday, March 26th, believe it or not. Uh, I'll be rejoining uh, the show with you again next week, Rick. Um, and uh, well, I, I, I imagine that we'll have some trades to, to talk, talk about. about. Oh, for I think sure. so. We're going to what we did today with the Ben Sherratt trade. I imagine we're going to have many more of those kinds of uh, trades to analyze next week. So be sure you're subscribed. Don't miss that episode. Uh, share this podcast on social media. Uh, it's so easy. Whatever podcast platform you are listening in there is a share button right there whatever your preferred social media whether it's facebook twitter instagram uh, you name it just uh, a quick share helps to grow our community and we greatly appreciate that uh and rick uh this has been very fun uh can Kudos to, to Michael Spinella, who did a great job with you in the first segment. Uh, I was happy to join for the, the uh, second and third segments, and uh, I can't wait to see what the weekend's going to bring for that. Trade deadline special, uh, quite an extravaganza. Uh, two hosts, uh, a special guest, and, and uh, lots of great information for Habs fans. Absolutely. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much out there for listening to the Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. We will see you next Saturday for another great episode. You've been listening to the Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.